Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD, PPE, PPD, PPE, here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. My name is Mike Wynn. In addition to being one of the co-hosts of this weekly radio, radio broadcast, I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, and we are both excited and nervous uh, for this new episode because we're about to try two new things. If you're listening on WTBR, you found us there since last July, but today you will also find us being simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television as we attempt uh, that new technology. And we're about to have a guest after our uh, news and weather join us in studio via Skype. So, Lieutenant, why don't we start with something you're familiar with and get a check of the weather. I'll come back with a couple news items and then we'll try this out. Here we go. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, mostly cloudy. Isolated showers this morning, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon. Some thunderstorms may be severe with heavy rainfall, warmer with highs in the mid-70s. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 50%, tonight, mostly cloudy. Showers with the chance of thunderstorms in the evening, then a chance of showers after midnight. Some thunderstorms may be severe with heavy rainfall. Lows in the lower 50s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Chance of rain 80%, Saturday, mostly sunny. Highs in the upper 60s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Thank you, Lieutenant. I am in no way excited about the prospect of heavy rain and thunderstorms. We've got enough going on. We don't need that. But I am excited that that is finally a spring-like weather forecast. Yeah, at least it's not white stuff like earlier in the week. Rain and thunder I will take at this time of year. That's right. So I didn't prepare formal news articles, but we've got a couple things that are certainly newsworthy. I think uh, to lead us off... Today is National Peace Officers Memorial Day, uh, the fifth day, sixth day, actually, of police week, um, which normally would have been marked with ceremonies ceremonies in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere in the country, and our ceremony here in Pittsfield, uh, which we traditionally do in the common, but we we couldn't do it. Um, So the candlelight vigil in D.C. was done virtually, and it was live-streamed on Wednesday evening. And last night, I recorded a video to deliver my remarks. We've been recognizing our fallen uh, each day this week with some of our social media posts linking people to the Officer Down Memorial page. And so uh, just to all of our listeners and now our viewers, thank you for all the support. Uh, other big news this week, it's, uh, it's been reported in, in our local media. Uh, officers from the Pittsfield Police Department were involved in an officer-involved shooting uh, on Tuesday evening. The case is still under investigation, so we can't get into a lot of details. Um, it, was, it was a scary situation, and, um, you know, unfortunately a subject was injured, but uh, fortunately our officers are okay. It was a near thing, and uh, I won't get into any more because of it. it is an open investigation, but it's being investigated by the Berkshire State Police Detective Unit on the criminal side and a internal force investigation team on the PPD side, and hopefully those, uh, those interviews and the investigations will go quickly and smoothly, and we'll be able to uh, release some details on that as soon as possible. And then the last minor, and it's not really newsworthy, but I feel like I have to talk about it. Um, you know, because you were helping me try to mitigate it, but I, as the chief of police, am on Facebook lockdown. Uh, <laughs> I, I am on Facebook and, and Instagram lockdown. Uh, so Twitter has become my kind of principal means of communication via social media channels. I didn't do anything wrong. 
I'm not being punished. It has to do with uh, an error in some settings on the parent account that was used way back when to create my accounts. And uh, because of that error, my, my account is basically orphaned. It's hanging out there. There's content on it and I can go read it, but I can't post anything to it. So in the middle of a global pandemic with police week upon us where the use of social media has become like a, a standard thing to push information out i can't get to it um, you tried to help me it tried to help me darren tried to help me I, I, yeah i I'm, I'm a facebook um yeah. imbecile i guess for lack of a better term i'm just not very uh schooled with it so so after a week and a half of diligently trying to correct this, I'm giving up. This weekend, I will have to go through the process of creating new accounts. Uh, if, you have, or if you are a fan or follower on my Chief Win uh, Facebook page or on my face Chief Win Instagram account, um, just please be on the lookout over the weekend or early next week. I'm going to have to create duplicate accounts with different names, and you'll have to... Find me and go follow me there. I'll try to keep you posted. I'll use the Pittsfield Police Department accounts to announce the, the new new accounts. So that's probably enough news. Um, how you doing over there, Lieutenant? Doing good. I you know I obviously we have Dr. Kohlberg in the studio here, and I am go, I'm seeing Gina um, from her office. I'm not so, sure. Can you hear us, Gina? Oh, I can't hear her. So I'm, I'm gonna cut her over. To I'm gonna cut her over. I'm just not sure what this. How this will go this is all new dave can come in if we can, can you give us a try gina can you hear me now we can yeah, there yes. we go all right <laughs> so so for good our morning. good morning thank you for calling in so for our our listeners and viewers just so you can understand a little bit of what's going on you you can see this right um we jumped into the deep end with both feet and decided to implement two technology changes for this week's show at the same time and poor lieutenant traversa is over there on the soundboard which is already intimidating enough and in addition to all of the bells whistles buttons and slides on the soundboard now he's got to handle the switcher for the cameras here in studio as we're being broadcast live on pc tv for the first time and he's managing the monitor that is allowing uh, Director Armstrong to call in from her office in the health department so we can practice strong social distancing and have two guests at the same time. I think he needs the weekend off, don't you think? It, yeah. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just very glad Dave's in the back there uh, and he's he's my backup. So. so so we are fortunate and blessed here in the city of Pittsfield to have such great partners, including the crew out here at PCTV, which has helped us produce our our weekly radio program and very quickly in a matter of days shifted over to allow us to adopt these two new technologies on the fly and they even came up with that great new logo for us yeah uh, which i hadn't seen before today so um cool yeah so here we go on patrol with the ppd live on wtbr 89.7 fm and simulcast on pctv pittsfield community television you're, you're not it's, seeing it either no. Uh, from there, Chief, I don't think. But there's a bug. They call it a bug. So it's a little a little version Isn't of that. that. Really cool. Nice. Yeah. So once we get into the uh, conversation, I'll have to swing over there. So yeah. as the lieutenant said, we're joined in studio this morning by Dr. Alan Kohlberg, the chairman of the Pittsfield Board of Health, and Director Gina Armstrong, the director of the Pittsfield Health Department. We're thrilled to have them there. We're going to use our airtime uh, for the duration of this emergency for weekly public health updates, as well as talk about some police-related stuff. So, Doctor, thanks for coming in again. You're welcome. Thank you. How are you this morning? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm never better. <laughs> You've, we've had a busy, busy week. It's Every week has been busy. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about this. Technically, you're retired, right? <clears throat> uh, technically, I'm retired, yeah, but uh, I kind of stepped in this. Uh, in, when the pandemic hit, I kind of stepped into, uh, given my role as chair of the Board of Health, I just kind of stepped into the operations uh, both feet and uh, have been basically been camped out at the health department office every day, full days since operations day 65 now. Yeah. So well, I've it, just, you know, it's been um, it's been good to work with everybody. It's been good to work as a team. And I've um, even though I'm retired, um, 
I, I, it's it's good and uh, it's gratifying to uh, be able to uh, cont continue to contribute uh, in some way, and um, uh, it's been uh, it's been a personally a good experience. Wish we didn't have to go through it, but you know, if you're going to do it, yeah, we all all hands on deck. So. Well, we are grateful and thankful for <laughs> your joining our team and for your contributions and for your expertise. So um, Monday will be May 18th, a significant date on the calendar since the beginning of this uh, emergency declaration. Um, we don't actually know what to expect. We know that we're going to get some additional guidance on Monday. Um, but what that's going to look like, we, we don't know. We do know that the governor announced a a four-phased plan for reopening and hopefully we'll be going into phase one here shortly um so doctor you're you've been involved and in, in gina you're, you're in charge of what's what's gonna what's it gonna look like you know locally what what do we anticipate kind of changing as we start to move into these phases well i think um for one and i'll, I'll just mention this gina and then you can um come in uh, I think it's important for our the, the uh, listeners to realize that even though May 18th is the end of the governor's stay-at-home order that that doesn't mean that we're opening up everything all at once there's going to be a gradual transition to reopening the economy and opening up other facets of society and we want to do this in a deliberate way so that we don't have to backpedal we don't create more problems by opening up too quickly, and that's being done in a very deliberate way with um, all members of the uh, municipal government and other members of the business community. So it's going to be deliberate. It's going to be slow, <coughs> and uh, we have yet to, got to get the uh, governor's um, um, plan for reopening uh, after May 18th, and once we get that, we'll be able to move ahead in a more, um, uh, you know, goal-oriented fashion. So, Gina? Yes, I, I completely agree. Um, I know we're all anxiously awaiting to see some of the, the details in the governor's uh, reopening plan, and like said it, it will be phased in and gradual um, I I can say with confidence though that every aspect um, of reopening will include the, the, the core standard preventative measures which will include face coverings the six feet social distancing uh, the frequent hand washing the vigilant uh, sanitation um, at at all of these uh, businesses and, and organizations um, workplaces um, I, I don't see that that changing for for quite some time um, so you know it'll be really interesting to see which which areas of our community will begin to um, invite public back in um, Time, county are working really hard on um, checklists and guidance documents that will will help them develop their plans for reopening to ensure that their customers and their employees are as safe as they can be. Um, so, for example, um, when when it seems uh, reasonable to open our, our restaurant uh, for outdoor seating, for example. You know, those tables will have to be spaced farther apart than they've been. So for outdoor, probably be eight feet apart. Uh, eventually, when we go back indoors, those tables will have to be 10 feet apart. These are some general standards that we're, we're um, referring to um, and learning about from other states that have begun reopening the process and also recommendations from the CDC, the FDA, EPA. So, you know, the, the, the expertise that is um, uh, communicated 
throughout Massachusetts, all the boards of health uh, will be implemented and help our businesses and organizations plan uh, for everyone's safety as we phase this in slowly. So, Gina, you mentioned the the four main standards that you know we can't emphasize enough, even as we, as we slowly start to return. Face coverings, social distancing, hand washing, and then uh, workplace sanitation. And um, it, I understand that actually workforce surveillance is also going to be part of that, right? So monitoring employees as they are cleared to return to work to be observant for signs of illness and if if a workforce believes that they have illness within the workforce they may have to go back and shut down again correct well that's right yeah oh go ahead Uh, well uh there's there's a uh and there's been an expansion of testing uh lately in here in pittsfield and so um uh, whether somebody gets work uh, gets ill while at work, or if an employee happens to be a contact of a suspected or confirmed case of COVID-19, uh, they will be tested. And uh, in very short order, our public health nurses will be uh, following up with them and doing contact tracing so we can try to put out these, hopefully there won't be any, but hope, uh, to try to put out these brush fires that might pop up along the way. So, um, you know, and we, we've been doing this in the police department almost since the beginning of the declared emergency, um, but things like temperature monitoring and symptom checking and telling people, hey, you know, you, you don't sound so great. We can't take that risk. Go home. Um, that's going to be part of our, our new paradigm going forward. Uh, on a slightly lighter note related to this, I was watching the morning news yesterday and uh, the evening news last night. And to the concept of as restaurants reopen, making sure that you maintain social distancing. I saw I saw two pretty cool stories. So there's a, I guess, fairly um, nice, expensive restaurant down in Maryland that they dressed mannequins in Victorian garb and seated them uh, within the within the dining space so that you wouldn't feel like you know if you could ask if that seat or that table was available, it's already occupied. And then last night I saw a story. I believe it was actually. Um, in a, uh, overseas, uh, an Asian restaurant doing something similar with stuffed pandas. Like they, they just seated their pandas at every other seat so that those seats are taken and you have to stay a minimum of eight feet away. Next uh, thing you know, they'll pipe in like the music of, you know, conversation. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Make so, us, yeah. you know, like, like canned laughter, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like it's more crowded than it actually is. <laughs> But it's just, it's interesting to see people be creative and, and take the Ambiance steps. is important, right? It right. is. Atmosphere is important in restaurants. So, I'm thinking about putting a mannequin in my cruiser. <laughs> Drive around with a dummy. That's right. No, you can't ride with me. There's no room. <laughs> Which, you know, it's... Yeah, maybe, I'm sorry, go ahead, Gina. Uh, maybe the servers could um, dress in costume, and then the, the face covering will just kind of blend right in with a costume. I like that. Yeah, be right. like cosplay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pick your favorite uh, character. Who was uh, that masked man? <laughs> I want to I want to emphasize something that Gina said which is I don't think it could be emphasized enough is that the um, the governors and the cities plans to in, in uh, double down on masking is a is a means to an end is a um, means to facilitate reopening uh, because without that protective measure in place uh, reopening would be much more hazardous so it's all the more important for people to abide by those rules at this point if we, if they want to see things reopen it may not look the same as as normal but uh, because people will have masks on but um, that will enable us to uh, move forward and, and I think, you know, we have to continue to reemphasize. We talked about it a little bit last week. We talk about it all the time on uh, the command and general staff conference call. Um, but when we when we say masking, right, we're, we're, we're really talking about face coverings, right? right. It's a clear distinction between medical grade PPE, which we'll talk about a little bit later, which we really need for our, our health care providers and our 
uh, first responder medical personnel and what's being asked or now required of the general public, which is you know essentially a, a cloth face covering, mm-hmm. something that will keep you from <clears throat> um, you know ex- expiring droplets uh, if if you are happening to carry be carrying or shedding virus. Uh, so we've had a lot of questions. Um, you know, not not as many at the coordinating center lately as we did in the first month, but we're still getting a lot of questions through other channels about you know, what kind of mask do I need and where do I get it? If you're not in a medical facility, bandana, you know, uh, neck gaiter. I think the I think the mayor has been wearing one that she normally wore when she was skiing. It's uh, you know, so be creative, but just just do it. It's it's the right thing to do for everybody. Um, so, Gina, uh, Dr. Kohlberg, we had a conference call earlier this week uh, as as part of the the update around face coverings uh, at the mayor's direction. We several department heads invited some of our local businesses, uh, retail establishments, food retail establishments, other commercial entities to to call in and kind of get a heads up on what we were thinking about and where we were going with that. So uh, let's tell talk to our listeners a little bit about that call and some of the questions we got and some of the recommendations that were made. Gina, would you like to uh, speak to that? Sure. Yeah. So it was great to have about 15 or so of our business managers on on the call with us um most of them food establishments and and our larger grocery stores uh so you know it's really it was really important to uh get their input uh their perspective on how the the state uh the governor's order for requiring facial masks as well as our local board of health order uh, which also includes um the social saying requirements in in our food establishment um, and uh, maintaining the, the uh, uh, reduced maximum capacity of shoppers in, in the store at one time um, so you know I think overall their their um, perspective was was positive they seem to fully understand the the importance of these these measures and I was also really encouraged to hear from one of our larger grocers that they're they're really seeing, you know, this, this growing movement and an acceptance um, for just complying with the mask order. And you know, most people are coming into the store, you know, prepared with with their face coverings. And some of them have implemented having an associate at or to greet people, to remind them about the new, the new policy that went into effect last week. So uh, we're really pleased and we're really grateful for what everyone is doing, our residents and our employees and our employers, to you know, to really take this seriously and, and, and take on that responsibility for keeping our, our community safe and healthy, and which will help us to to phase in the reopening more successfully and that's that's what we all want right um yeah so uh dr colbert did you think of any specifics about uh uh people who called in and um anything else you wanted to mention on that um uh just that uh, i think it was a very good conversation uh it it, uh, it i think it helped to give the people in the business community, restaurant community, the sense that they have a voice in in the planning of the reopening. And uh, not, and we at the health department are not going to be so much green lighting them. In other words, we're not going to be in, out there inspecting every aspect of their business and saying, yes, you're good to go. But rather, we are there to provide assistance, provide guidance, provide the to help disseminate the directives from Boston, uh, which are going to uh, be coming out within the next couple of days. And uh, we're there to help. And uh, we will be helpful in any way uh, necessary to facilitate them. We want to see them succeed. And and I think they know that we're there to uh, 
were there to be on their side. You know, I I agree. I think it was a great call. It you know they were they were happy to be on the call, and I think they they got a lot of good information, particularly from public health. Uh, I was thrilled to hear that from the particularly the grocery stores, the degree of cooperation and compliance was as high as it was. Um, and it certainly, I, I don't remember which establishment it was. And they said that most people, when they said, you know, we're sorry, do you have a face covering? Do you have a mask? Uh, they had just forgotten it in their car and they were happy to go back and get it uh, with, with a, no, you know, a couple notable exceptions. The other thing that I thought was amazing was the uh, creativity and willingness of our local businesses to adapt. Something as simple as asking if they would be able to increase their outdoor seating capacity so they could maintain adequate distance inside um, and asking if that's something that we could work with them on. And, you know, that's that's the type of creative problem solving that's going to allow us to jumpstart this and facilitate this. Uh, not everybody on the call got every aspect of the message. Lieutenant, you had a little uh, a, a little brush fire you had to put out with communications this week. A little little bit of a misunderstanding. You want to talk yeah, about that one? Sure. Um, there was a, one of the local businesses uh, called 911 to report a non-mask wearer. So we had to <laughs> um, kind of step back a little bit. Um, I ended up calling the business and explaining that, um, you know, these calls have to come in on the business line. And then I, I confirmed with you, Chief, the message that had been put out that, you know, businesses uh, should be treating this like a, a shop, a cooperative shoplifter, you know, call our business line, uh, we'll respond. Obviously, if there's any kind of an active disturbance, we'll, we'll step up our response. Um, but if any patrons are uh, without masks and after being requested to wear a mask still refuse, um, then we'll respond. Um, you know, it's, the other part of that 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 I needed to, to um, clarify for myself, and you, you helped me out with this, Chief, so that I could pass it on to dispatch was that um, anybody that has a complaint about a business, whether they are not properly um, monitoring the patrons wearing masks or there's not proper signage or there's an occupancy concern that would go to the health department. So to, to your department, Gina. So yeah. um, I just confirmed that because all of the, these calls coming into our communication center, um, you know, they, they need to know how to, uh, how to handle them and direct them. So a um, little, little bit of clarification this week. Yeah, we would hope that if there's any issue at the place of business where a potential customer does not want to or for some reason can't wear a mask for, uh, for whatever reason, but there's resistance on the part of the, the person trying to enter the store, that we would hope, of course, that the situation could be resolved amicably. And we encourage store owners to try to first resort to, you know, a friendly reminder and education and the, the reason why this is important. And, um, and and after that, even before potentially calling for law enforcement to try to provide accommodations and accommodations could include anything from providing a mask for a customer, which is probably good economy uh, because it will help uh, bring a customer into the store, uh, even though it's at the, uh, the expense of the, of the business itself, or to provide an accommodation like curbside service. So to try to accommodate the customer whenever possible, and only then if, if a person tries to enter a place of business and chief and lieutenant, you can, respond, you can respond to this better than I can, but only then would um, you know, the, act, the presence of a, a police officer really be uh, in, in line at that point. Absolutely. And so, you know, I've kind of been relying on two catchphrases in my communications internal to the department and, and when I'm talking to other chiefs. Uh, first is education before enforcement, right? We're really trying to get <coughs> voluntary compliance to the point where when the statewide face covering order went out, uh, instead of issuing our officers ticket books, 
we issued them extra boxes of masks and right. said, if you encounter somebody in the community that doesn't have a mask, offer them a mask before you get into a you have to. You know, it's it, it's education is first. And right. then the, the second catchphrase that I've been relying on, and I have to credit Dr. Kohlberg, but he says credit where credit is due. It, it came from his wife, and it actually is reflected in a, in a comic that was in this morning's Berkshire Eagle, moderately confused. Retail establishments are already used to this idea of denying service for health reasons. And we all see it when we go in and out of a fast food restaurant or a, or a food establishment. No shoes, no shirt, no service. Well, for the duration of this emergency, it's no shoes, no shirt, no mask, no service. Right? You just You're a private industry. You don't have to allow everybody in. If they're not willing to take steps to protect your workforce and your staff, they're not, you know... A, Offer them an accommodation, as the doctor said, but don't let them in. And at that point, if they continue to be non-compliant or they become, you know, hostile or belligerent, then well, the police department is there to assist you. And it, and it always bears uh, repeating that the underlying rationale for everybody wearing a mask is that about 50% of cases out there are asymptomatic. So you don't, you do not know if you are infected and therefore you have to consider yourself potentially infective, uh, even if you have no symptoms or maybe just minimal symptoms. And uh, therefore everybody needs protection to protect everybody else. It is 9.31 in the morning. It's time for us to take a quick break for station identification, another check of the weather and some PSAs. Before I uh, turn this back over to you, Lieutenant, you are listening to On Patrol with the PPD on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and now simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Uh, Lieutenant, when you cut over there, don't forget to uh, switch off the Skype feed. <laughs> Will do. Make sure weather. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, mostly cloudy. Isolated showers this morning, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon. Some thunderstorms may be severe with heavy rainfall. Warmer with highs in the mid-70s. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 50%, tonight, mostly cloudy. Showers with a chance of thunderstorms in the evening, then a chance of showers after midnight. Some thunderstorms may be severe with heavy rainfall. Lows in the lower 50s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Chance of rain 80%. Saturday, mostly sunny. Highs in the upper 60s. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just joining us, you are listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. This is the weekly community radio program of the Pittsfield Police Department. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield and one of the co-producers of this weekly radio program. Today, for the first time, we are simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, so you can follow us there. And uh, for the first time today, we are also doing our first out-of-studio guest, guest calling in via Skype to join us. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa and Dr. Alan Kohlberg. 
And before we go back to our public health stuff, excuse me again. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, it is, as I said at the top of the hour, police week. Today is National Peace Officers Memorial Day. I am personally distressed that we weren't able to hold our annual ceremony here locally and our new awards ceremony for our personnel. Um, last night, I recorded a video to uh, include my remarks that I, I wanted to make sure recognized the five fallen law enforcement officers who have given their lives in or for the city of Pittsfield. Um, while I was preparing my remarks, as is normally the case, I check both the National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Fund page and the Officer Down Memorial page, and I always include not only the number of fallen from the prior year and the number of names that are going to be inscribed on the memorial in, in Washington, D.C., but I always take the time to look at the number of fallen officers year to date since the beginning of the calendar year. And I was heartbroken to see that the number of fallen officers this year uh, is not quite, but nearly double what it was for a four and a half month period last year. And unfortunately, nearly 30 of those close to 70 fallen officers um, are directly attributed to COVID-19. Almost 30 officers across the country have been identified already as having um, been associated as line of duty deaths because of exposures they got in the early days responding to the pandemic. Um, and that number is just going to increase. You know, we know that NYPD has, has suffered horrific losses. Um, New Orleans PD, closer to home, Boston PD has lost an officer. Um, so it's, you know, this is a strange and, and, and dark police week for us. But, you know, we've got, a, we've got a great team. We've been talking to key members of that team. I want to um, change, you know, lighten it up. I want to give a little bit of a shout out. So for our, our listeners and viewers, earlier this week on Wednesday, we had the, the good fortune to have some representatives from the Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency asked to come spend a little bit of time. So they, they came to the central coordinating center that I've been working out of and managing, and then they left us and they went down to the South County Command Center, South County EOC in Great Barrington, and up to the North County EOC uh, in, in North Adams. But before they left Pittsfield, they happened to be in the coordinating center when we called in for our um, daily command and general staff conference call. And I didn't know they were going to do this, but they were on the call. Right? So I was, I was in my office taking the call, and they had stepped elsewhere in the coordinating center with Chief Sammons from the fire department and uh, Sheriff Bowler and Lieutenant Colonel Grady from the sheriff's department. And so Pat Carnavalli, who has uh, been seconded back over to MEMA from the governor's office and Bob Barry, who is our local liaison to the MEMA Region 3 and 4 office, they actually participated in the call. And they had nothing but great things to say about the Berkshire County response. Um, they, they were very, very pleased and thankful for the assistance that we've been able to stand up to provide to MEMA and other state agencies. Uh, and they wanted to make sure that they shared with us that it's not, it's not working that way everywhere in the Commonwealth. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of a management team that was able to coordinate and integrate so, so well and so quickly and coordinate with the management teams throughout the rest of the region so that we're doing the right thing to take care of our communities. Um, and I just I think it's important that the listeners and viewers know that it, there's a lot of people putting in a lot of time and energy to do this the right way and it's being recognized uh, and Gina honestly that's that's largely due to your leadership as you kind of steer us through this public health emergency and the team that the mayor assembled so so it's good Friday's a good time to give ourselves a little pat on the back right <laughs> it was it was great to uh, get that that feedback and, and recognition and, you know, especially you know, because they have that statewide perspective. But, uh, you know, Pat Carnavalli and, and Bob Berry, they, we were in communication with them 
even you know, before the schools closed and you, you know when we had our first case we immediately made that connection and started getting our systems in place and uh yeah i i think we are really fortunate here in the berkshires with the level of collaboration um and care for for our community and that uh, we we are um and we're just going to continue to build on on what we need to do to manage this um for the, the safety and health of the community yeah and i i think this is probably a good time to just very generally go over some of the efforts that we've made locally to manage the safety and health of the community and and some of the ongoing responses so you know early on um, decision was made joint, jointly by public health and, and public services that in order to encourage and, and facilitate proper social distancing that although we wouldn't close our open spaces we would close the parking for some of our open spaces to discourage large group gatherings. Um, that took that took a lot of work and a lot of effort. It actually took considerable resources in a short period of time. Um, but again, not everybody gets the message and not everybody understands. It was yesterday, right, Lieutenant? Somebody popped the lock and we had to send patrol down to call uh, public services to resecure the skate park. Um, so it's, it's not, we made these decisions, we carried out these actions, when it's over, it's over. It's daily maintenance. Um, I think I was driving here last Friday. I was going past Clapp Park, and somebody had breached the chain. And I had to call. I had to radio in and have patrol go out there and verify and then call public services and maintenance to go back out and resecure it. So it's, it's daily vigilance and, and daily surveillance and it's you know the police department is engaged in that but so is every other city department right is there was an issue at reed there was an issue at reed yeah what happened at reed uh i believe the fence was cut oh that's right and the access into the uh the tennis courts and basketball and that didn't get reported by a city department that got reported by brian andrews from county ambulance (laughs) who just happened to be driving around you know getting a little peace of mind and he saw he uh what do you see Guys on the basketball court, right? You saw people on the basketball court and couldn't figure out how they got there. Yeah, right, yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, I, I think it's important, and I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep saying it. So we're we're waiting for direction from the governor as far as what phase one might look like and what might be included and how long it may may last and when it may begin. But even when we get that, we already know that regardless of of what is allowed that all of that is going to include face coverings, social distancing, constant and frequent hand washing, sanitation of the workplace, and workforce surveillance, right? That's not going to change. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that there are, I, I don't think, I know that there are people out there who think that's going to change. It's like, you know, I'll be fine. It's, it's, it's over. You know, it's, this is just the beginning of an adjustment period. That's correct. Uh, you know, I, w- one thing I wanted to mention, Chief, which is that <clears throat> this past week we started um, in, in enacting new testing guidelines. Previously, we were just testing people who were symptomatic, but starting this uh, past Wednesday, a couple of days ago, we, uh, at the um, order of the Mass Department of Public Health, we started testing asymptomatic contacts of people who were COVID positive. Now, this does not mean that everybody in the population, everybody in the community is going to be tested. It does not mean that. What it does mean, though, is that at the, at the, uh, when a person is identified as being positive by one of our public health nurses, whether it's here in Pittsfield or any of the other outlying communities in Berkshire County, then then the public health nurse will, in the uh, course of their contact tracing, in other words, they're, they're on the phones all day talking to people constantly about, okay, who did you have dinner with, and who did you, who did you uh, whose house were you at, who did you happen to pass by in the street, you know, 
doing tracing is is painstaking, um, time-intensive work, and we uh, certainly give a lot of credit to our public health nurses for this grassroots effort that they have been engaged in. But when they identify somebody who has who is an asymptomatic contact of a COVID positive person, that person is going to be tested. Uh, again, because, as mentioned before, many people who carry the virus do not have symptoms. So um, we want to try to identify people who are at risk of having the virus, even if they do not know it. And uh, this is being done as a, a run-up to uh, the reopening efforts that you mentioned. Uh, we've also, it's also being uh, enabled by the availability of more testing capacity at the tent site that was set up by BMC. And it will, uh, it will give us a better idea of what the number of asymptomatic people are, is in the community, uh, the total prevalence of the disease in the community, and also give us some idea looking backwards at how effectiveness we have been at um, isolating people who uh, were t COVID positive in, uh, in trying to uh, reduce the spread of the disease. So I think these new guidelines, are <coughs> they were very welcomed by the health department and it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, the, uh, the hospital has been, has been uh, in, in step with uh, stepping up their uh, testing capacity um, appropriately, and this is all good. Absolutely. I think it was in this morning's, I think it was in this morning's Eagle, I saw it. It was a kind of a, a breakdown of some of the recommendations that, or some of the changes that were coming out, specifically as part of the governor's plan and the increased testing, not only at our, our testing site in Pittsfield, uh, Fairview is standing up hopefully for drive-through <coughs> drive testing and CVS locations throughout the Commonwealth are, are being stood up. And I thought it was interesting that the one of the reasons the governor gave is that the lab analysis capacity in the Commonwealth is somewhere between we're only we're, the labs are only operating somewhere between a third and half of what they could be processing. I don't remember the exact numbers, um, but the the number of specimens being submitted from the testing sites to the labs isn't keeping pace with what they can do. So. Right. So we do more tests. Yeah, another thing I want to mention is that uh, there might be some confusion out there about the difference between the nasal swab um, and the antibody test. The, and an, some people have been requesting antibody tests to see if they have had the disease. But at this point in time, there is not a, the, the gold standard for identifying a person who has had the disease is the nasal swab. Period. Uh, the, 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 there is still some work being done to perfect the antibody test, which is the body's immune response to the infection, which tells you if you've had it. But one of the reasons why the antibody test may not be as useful as one might think is that the coronavirus, there are a number of different coronaviruses which um, in the, we have been exposed to in the past, which can cause something as simple as the common cold. And it's still not, we st the science has still not been perfected where we can tell that whether a per if a person has antibodies, whether they have it truly to the COVID virus or whether they might have antibodies to a different coronavirus. <coughs> so the specificity of, of the antibody test for the current pandemic virus is still not, uh, is, has, is still not a final thing. So, Doctor, the... My understanding is that that is a, a big key to this, getting the specific antibody test at some point down the road, right. and that the medical community is is really paying attention to that and, and obviously hoping for that to yeah, be the, available. It's just not a, available yet. Right. There's a ton of research, and, and there actually have been some promising reports of antibody tests, but they have not been put into place in terms of uh, being a, a linchpin of o an overall public health effort. So it, I think ideally what we like to have is both the nasal test, which identifies fragments of the virus, and an antibody test. And then you can really put those two pieces of information together in a, in a real a useful way. But we, don't, we do not have 
uh, availability of a perfect antibody test at this time. And I think that's important, not just because, you know, even <clears throat> even from working law enforcement professionals, I'm getting questions, not daily, but frequently, you know, they were on the conference call. Any word on the antibody test? Any, they, they, everybody wants it. You, know, you don't. You don't want a bad test, right? right? So right. wait, wait till they get it right, and and then we can, you know, I I think that you know when a solid, confirmed, valid antibody test is developed, pretty much everybody in frontline healthcare and first responders just needs to get tested. We'll be in right. on it, right? But sure. I, I don't want bad tests until that happens. Right. It's false security. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, if some if somebody came to me and said that they had a positive antibody test, we'd still want to do a nasal swab. So uh, again, the nasal swab that has been done since the beginning of this effort uh, is still the gold standard for a de uh, for diagnosis. Did you have something you wanted to say, Gina? Oh yes. So uh, and and Lieutenant Traversa did make that comment. Right? We certainly don't want uh, someone to get a false negative test, and and then they kind of let let down their their guard around their family or you know. El Elder people in their lives, and they could potentially carrying it and, and spread it. So, yeah, accuracy of tests is really critical. But you know, I think the, the the change in the the criteria for testing this week was very very significant uh, for Massachusetts uh, because whereas we were testing one person who was symptomatic and a suspect case before, now we can test three or or four associated with that same family or, or workplace. So this is very significant. It'll um, really helps with our um, force protection for our uh, essential uh, workers and our, our EMS and police and fire and our healthcare workers. The sooner we can identify them as positive and then all of those uh, contacts uh, around them. So that, that would be our managing the three three levels where there was potential spread that able that much more quickly. So um, this was a, a significant change. We're really glad we have the resources here um, and the collaboration with EMC to get this implemented right away. We started this week um, and it'll it'll um, really help us as we we transition through uh, Rio. And I, I just wanted to make a point to our listeners that this this is a great example. So the Department of Public Health, DPH, pushes out new guidance. And that guidance gets provided, through, in this case, through public health offices or public health nurses. Uh, and then it gets shared, uh, in our case, with the coordinating center through our information center. And you know, we push it out. We push it out to all the communities, all the involved departments. But we get guidance like that from different departments almost daily, right? So we get a lot of guidance from DPH. We get a lot of guidance from MEMA. We get a lot of guidance from FEMA. Um, a lot of guidance for us from law enforcement. And that it's really critical that we be passing on correct and accurate information because similar to the questions we're getting about the antibody test, the amount of misinformation that's out there is staggering. So early on, the, a lot of the presumption was if you could get an antibody test and you had the antibodies, you were immune and you couldn't get sick again. And there's not any evidence to really support that position. From a law enforcement point of view, I to push something out. Yes, I couldn't send the document because it was restricted uh, to law enforcement only. But we got a critical infrastructure security briefing. There is an active movement of domestic extremists right now targeting 5G cell phone towers because of a persistent belief out there among some factions that 5G causes coronavirus or suppresses immunity and makes you more susceptible to coronavirus. And they're burning down cell phone towers, right? So we get a force protection infrastructure notice. If you've got these towers, you know, deploy your troops mindfully. The, the number included in the bulletin was stat this isn't like a one-time thing. This this is going on on a constant basis, and the the misinformation around all of this is just and some some of them misinformation is being pushed out deliberately by foreign actors because they want to impact our national security. It's insane.
Yeah, that is a definite issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, we're coming up on the end of our time. I did not keep my commitment to the Office of Cultural Development to make sure that we gave them some, some time. This, is, this has been a wide-ranging public health and public safety conversation. But I don't want Jen to get mad. <clears throat> because you know, normally this program follows the, the Pittsfield Office of Cultural Development's weekly program where they highlight everything that's going on. And uh, unfortunately, they weren't allowed to continue their, their regular live programming during this or to record their new episodes. So I told Jen that we would make sure that we gave them at least a shout out during every episode. Because despite the fact that we are in this global pandemic and we can't go to large scale gatherings and a lot of our venues are closed, we are blessed in the Berkshires that our venues are nimble and agile and they have all pushed things online. Um, you know, take a virtual tour of some of the objects that aren't normally on display at the Berkshire Museum. Get to meet the artists who have been contributing to First Friday's art walks and, and check out some of the stories that cultural uh, Pittsfield Cultural Development has put up on their website. Get their newsletter and find out what's going on. Um, check out their newsletter for if for no other reason that it has a great list of all of the local businesses and restaurants that are available for takeout so you don't have to cook every night at home. Um, but yeah, make sure that you're staying engaged and involved and, and checking out our local cultural destinations and our local venues, Berkshire Museum, Berkshire Athenaeum, uh, like the Liechtenstein Center, they're, they've all got online content, so take advantage of that. So with the few minutes we have left, Gina, any parting thoughts? Well, I, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to another update for, for community. Um, I know we are all anxious to hear more about the governor's plan. Um, and But again, we, we just want everybody to continue to be very, very cautious uh, in, in reopening plans, but also to, to reach out to um, the mayor's office and to the health department um, community Development Office, we're happy to help. We know a lot of people are getting really creative um, in their planning, and we are we're here to, to help uh, and to ensure that safeguards are in place uh, as we work together through this. Um, and also, you know, I still want to, um, I want to recognize the fact that so many people are still really struggling right now mentally, um, and, you know, with, with stress and, and, and addiction and uh, food insecurity and other concerns. And, you know, I'm hoping that next week in, in our update, we can focus more on what we can continue to do for outreach and um, access to supports that people need in, in those areas in the week ahead. And we'll have to reach out for some of our community partners and uh, make arrangements to have them call in and talk about the efforts that they have underway. You and I can put our heads together and figure out who we should try to get on the line via Skype to talk about some of those issues as well. Yes, that'd be great. Dr. Kohlberg, any parting thoughts? No, I appreciate the opportunity to come here and uh, pass along this information. I think it's important for the community. Uh, so we appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you agreeing to come in and give these weekly public health updates and fill some airtime, because otherwise it would be me and the lieutenant no sitting, one else will come. Sitting, sitting across the table from each other talking. Or it could be like the, the one bad episode. Of, I'm feeding back on my own mic. Um, it could be like the one bad episode I had when I showed up here by myself. That was going to be a long just, hour. Just imagine you're on a one-hour rain delay at a baseball game, you know, and you have to... Uh, True story. So I showed tell, up tell here. Tell family stories and stuff like that. I, I showed up here for an episode, and there had been some miscommunication, and nobody else was in studio. So I got through the weather, and I got through the news, and thank God my wife showed up, uh, and we were we were able to talk about the perspective of law enforcement families for a while because that was going to be a long hour if nobody showed up. So it is. That's an interesting topic. That's a good. One. It was a good topic. Yeah, All right. and chat with the technology. This 
this episode. Excellent. We're getting there. We're working out the kinks. <laughs> so to our listeners and now to our new viewers, you are tuning in to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Thank you for tuning in and join us next week for another new episode. 